to attempt an understanding of Muad'Dib without understanding his mortal enemies, the Harkonnens, is to attempt seeing truth without knowing falsehood. It is the attempt to see the light without knowing darkness. It cannot be. From the Manual of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Yes! Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Right, I bud, feel... What do you think? Um, well, first of all, I feel like we can... Uh, we got the uh, nervous jitters out from the first episode. So oh, now sure. we can be more ourselves. Um, but the chapter, the chapter itself, like chapter two was interesting because it was like the whole thing was just a conversation. Yeah. Right. And um, I don't know. I guess the, the, the first chapter was mostly a conversation, but there was like some heavy stuff going on while that conversation was happening. Um, but this one was literally just in one room where one thing happened. I don't know. I thought, I thought it was cool. It was just like, Oh, we haven't really moved forward at all. We kind of moved sideways with this chapter. Um, yeah. You can almost think about these, these things happening at the exact same time. Oh, so, okay. Like the Baron is having his conversation with Piter and Fade while the Reverend Mother um, Guy's Helen Muhammad is with Paul and with Jessica. So it's gotcha. kind of happening simultaneously. So you get the, the yin and yang effect. Right. And Frank Herbert's actually been kind of criticized. People say his stuff isn't, doesn't have a lot of action in it because of it's a lot of just dialogue scenes happening in one room. Oh, great. I'm so glad you're making me read this book, Caleb. <laughs> we, do, we, get, we just get intense action sequences when they happen. Oh, cool. I'm pumped for it. So this, this takes place between our three characters, our three, our three bad guys, right? We get the Harkonnens, the big bad. Yeah. Um, first, we find the Baron, right? And so the, kind scene, of. the scene opens with this globe, right? The spinning globe, which we learn is Arrakis. And it says it's, I think the book quotes that it's from, it's like a really wealthy person would have this or somebody who owns planets. Right. Like it was, it was, it, there was like uh, platinum wire was like the latitude and longitude thing. And the, the pole, the poles were made out of diamonds. Like it was snazzy. Way too elaborate, right. For right. someone to be like making logistical plans on this is like purely for show. Right. And we but see also this, to make, but also to make logistical plans, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> apparently, because there, well, there's not much on this planet, so it's kind of easy. It's up right. by the poles. There's stuff, and we see the Baron's hand underneath it, and that, that's kind of all we see of him till like the very end. We hear a lot from him, but we don't actually see him. Right. Okay. So was he just like standing by the globe the whole time? That was uh, I kind of lost track while I was reading, but he was just basically like hiding behind the globe. Well, at least from like the viewer's point of view, I guess. 
Right. He was just like behind the globe the whole time. So you can imagine like a really dark room with only like three lights and he's mm-hmm. like specifically in the corner of darkness. And that's cool. kind of his like essence. So like he wants to create the fear aspect by like not showing. And then when he does show, it's show it's so shocking that you don't know what to do. It's overwhelming. Okay. That's really cool. That yeah. I mean, I I kind of got that vibe from reading the whole chat. Like as you as you finish the chapter, you're like, whoa, ah, you know? Right. <laughs> so um, but or we'll get to the end of the chapter when we get to the end of the chapter. <laughs> and then okay, so we have the Baron, and next we have Piter, his Mentat assassin. Piter. That's how we say that. Piter. 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 Yeah. Okay. And so um we have Thufer Howitt is the Atreides Mentat, and Piter is the Harkonnen Mentat. Right. And the, those are like the family assassins, basically, right? Yeah, they're the assassins, supercomputer strategist. Right. They're your right-hand man or woman. I don't know. They, there could be Mentat women. Okay. There are later in the books, just yeah. saying. For those of you who want to know if there are female supercomputers, the answer is yes. Just not in this book. We have the Reverend Mothers for that. Gotcha. Um, and another thing that I noticed from this chapter is like their their banter back and forth was like really tense and and like I, I don't know what the right word is for it was just aggressive. Like they were not, but they're not buds, but this guy is his right-hand man. It's like this really creepy tension of like, oh, I have to live with you because you're useful, but I really just want to kill you. Right. So you have this, I think tension is the perfect word because you have these, these evil opposingness that are like just at each other. Opposingness for sure. (laughs) That's a real word. (laughs) We're reading science fiction. We can make up words here. Right. So the opposingness is <laughs> it's just pure evil against and they put them in the same room, they just gravitate towards right. each other, trying to manipulate each other to do it. And you kind of see that where it's the the dialogue, I guess, starts with the Baron saying, Oh, I have this master plan. And then Piter reminds him, Oh no, no, this was my plan. And originally this is Piter's plan to take down the Atreides and the Baron gets to reap the rewards. Right. Um, And so this is where you kind of, well, first let's talk about what Piter is. He's a Mentat, but he's also a twisted Mentat. Okay. What what does that mean? What's the differentiation there? Um, Okay. So a twisted Mentat is designed for evil purposes. Oh. Like, so they have the Mentat school and at a certain point, because Mentats not necessarily are made to order, but you do put in like, because the Baron says, ah, I need to put in a request for another one. And Piter was like, oh yes, you, you get them the same place you get me. And he's like, oh, very true. I can just right. call up the, uh, the Benny Tleilax, which they're not, in, they're not in this book. They're in the next book, but they, um, they take Mentats and they, take away all of their empathy. Oh, shoot. And so how they do that, and there's a race 
of aliens called face dancers and they're they're humans but you know how the Bene Gesserit can with their voice can kind of like manipulate sound waves to make you do certain things yeah well the face dancers have learned to manipulate their genetic code in order to um shape shift into anybody whoa so like mystique but not blue right and so the face dancers are this this slave race of people that the Benny Tlalax then force um, them to turn into the Mentats, like family members or trusted advisors or mentors. And then they just, what's the word that I think the Dune Encyclopedia uses? It like, you lose all trust in them by the uh, actions that these face dancers are doing. So you learn to not trust people and just any bit of love is just eaten alive. Yikes. That's crazy. It's unfortunate. <laughs> that too. So, that, so that's the, the character of, of Piter. He just okay. wants this. He's just pure evil. and Pure the, evil killing machine. Yes. He's designed just for that. Whoa. Okay. All right. So the next character we have is this young boy, Fade. Fade, yeah. And then the Baron mentioned something about like, Fade, are you listening? Like, this is probably one of the first meetings that Fade has been brought in on. Right. And the Baron is kind of grooming Fade to take his place. Yeah, because he says, like, are you listening? Blah, blah, blah. Like, says that sort of thing over and over again throughout the conversation. Um, and Fade seems, like, confused the whole time. Or, or, or at least in the beginning of the whole conversation, he's like, yeah, I'm listening, but like, why am I listening? Why am I here? This is weird and creepy. Why you are guys they arguing? Each other? Yeah. But the, yeah, the Baron is grooming Fade. And so it's important that with this transition of the um, Atreides being sent to Arrakis, that the Baron has a plan into which Fade is his ultimate, like, move at the very end fade's gonna come in and save the day and so fade needs to know what the plan is gotcha all right that that gives like more reasoning as to why he's there and the okay i'm just like looking at the pages they started with a letter um yeah let's get into the letter okay who's the who's the letter actually from is that from like paul's father yeah, so the Duke Leto, Paul's father, okay. responds. I thought I might have misunderstood that. That's why I want to like clear it up. No, yeah. It's a it's important it's important piece because now we see the uh, the rivalry between the Harkonnens and the Atreides. So the Duke Leto responds to a letter and you know, Piter, you know, kind of says, Oh, he only says Harkonnen, like he's it's all just slight jabs right. at the Harkonnens. He even signs it like Duke Leto. Of a trait or uh, of, Arrakis. of Arrakis, yeah, and he's like, uh, Piter is like almost pointing out every piece of the letter that's gonna like piss off the Baron, right? Like, oh yeah, you can and you can tell that he's doing that, and he'll like laugh at certain points, and even the Baron's like, "Shut up, I know what you're doing. Stop," you know. Right. It's it's nice enough that he'll respond, and we get to chuckle at him. Here's the line he says. Um, Piter says, your offer of a meeting is refused. 
I have oft times met your treachery, and this all men know. And, the Baron asked, he said, the art of Cannelly still has admirers in the Empire. He signs it Duke Leto of Arrakis. Piter begins to laugh. Oh, of Arrakis, oh my, this is almost too rich. Be silent, Piter, the Baron said. And the laughter stopped, as if shut off with a switch. So there's like the power that he has. Oh, completely. Like I am, he is above. Right. Shuts him down. Canley it is, the Baron asked. Vendetta, hey? And he uses such an old word, so rich in tradition, to be sure I know he means it. All right, so I want to talk about what Canley is. Yes, that was my next question. All right, so when the Great Convention was put together about with all the houses coming together and how Chome was going to work. There's a few laws that were put down. The major one is, I'm going to pull up my notes here from the Dune Encyclopedia. Um, the convention's most famous clause regulates the use of atomic weapons against human beings. So you're not allowed to nuke anybody. Gotcha. In the future, which is nice. So they talk about family atomics, a lot of these families have the nuclear weapons. They're just not allowed to use them on humans. Um, but now let's talk about the rules in the War of Assassins. So such rules for the War of Assassins and Canley affected only the nobility. And Canley is where the head of houses met each other personally. So it's a one-on-one duel. That's what Canley is? Yeah. Oh. So the Duke says, like, we can end this right here, right now. Just face me one-on-one. Dude, that is baller. Like, that is so... (laughs) Yeah. That's, like, tough, you know? And then whoever wins takes all of the assets and the planets of that house. Oh, okay. So now we get to how Chom works right? The, the big business that's set up around everything. The yeah. emperor starts off with about 20% of the stock, but there's usually more people that rally with him to give, it, give him the majority so he can say what happens in the empire. Yeah. If the, if the, and the Harkonnens have slowly been taking out minor houses, so they've been growing in how much they have. Right. And if they were to take out the Atreides, just completely eat them up, they would have almost a majority. So when... So like more than the emperor. Right. Which means they would be the emperor. Oh, okay. So the Baron later says he talks about that he's trying to like tell Fade what's happening. And... Because, and he talks about plans within plans within plans. And you see Piter kind of talk about this as well, right? When he's talking about the letter. Um, let's see. The Duke must know when I encompass his doom, the Baron said, and the other great houses will learn of it. The knowledge will give them pause and I'll gain a bit, a bit more, and I'll gain a bit more room to maneuver. The necessity is obvious, but I don't have to like it. Room to maneuver? 
Fighter sneered. Already you have the Emperor's eyes on you, Baron. You move too boldly. One day, the Emperor will send a legion of two of his Sar- Sardaukar down here to Giddy Prime, and that will be the end of Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. So, like, the corruption is... I, I'm trying to understand, like, it seems like at some level it's, like, under the radar, but he wants to make sure that everybody knows what's happening, even though it's supposed to be, like covert and like hidden right so yeah he wants this to happen but he also wants to know that he's got a secret but he did it right and so So, he's playing his politics right and that that is like confusing though because the whole time they're like going through this plan every once in a while they'll say you know like Oh, and the Duke knows that this is going to happen. So yeah. he's going to do this. And it's like, it's so convoluted. Like there's, there's so much trickery happening in all different directions that they have to be aware of like every possible outcome. Well, yeah, it's nice when you have a supercomputer there that can run all <laughs> those calculations for you. Right. And it's, it's kind of funny too, because the Baron is making these power moves. But if he, he knows that if he goes to a certain extent, the emperor is just going to come in and with his Sardaukar forces, just wipe him out completely. Right. Now there's no more Harkonnen. Emperor owns all of him. And we move on. So you have to like play this game of how much power can you take versus like get away with subtly. Gotcha. So would you say this is a game of thrones? It's very much like that, yes. Very much so. And this, the, it's kind of funny because it notes like why the emperor is the emperor is because he has the most lethal forces in the Imperium. His Sardaukar are trained on a prison planet where only like a third of the kids survive in the harshest conditions and are trained in this way who are then sent out as a military force to, and they are like the most feared soldiers in the galaxy. Wow. And at the very end of this chapter, we can kind of see what the plan is. All right. So Piter kind of lays out now the plan for fade is that in a few standard days, the entire household of Duke Lido will embark on a spacing guild liner for Arrakis. The guild will deposit them at the city of Arakeen rather than our city of Carthag. The Duke's mentat, Thurfer Howitt, will have concluded rightly that Arakeen is easier to defend. That's where the Baron's like, listen, Fade, this is, this is what we're talking about. Right. Observe the plans within plans within plans. So that, the plans within plans is kind of what we were just talking about. It's like all the little convoluted... All the little stuff. Okay. So now we're going to talk about... Yeah. So they're going to go... They're going to go to Arakeen and they're going to set things up. Now... They talk about the ability for the Duke to leave the Imperium, but he's not going to do that. Um, so 
Eric Keen is going, was the um, city that was by fairing. Where was the word here? Do, 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 do. All right. So the, the emperor's guy has Arakeen and he's being forced out. Duke Leto is being forced in. The emperor's guy is now taking Caladan. And the whole goal here is to get Arrakis completely to the Harkonnens. Okay, on the on the Harkonnen side, obviously. Yes. Okay, but um, so question the the Fen rings, mm-hmm. they're basically they're basically swapping with Paul's family, right? Okay, and he says a thing in here. Um, the Baron, you know, they they're talking about. Um, at Arakeen, the Duke and his family will occupy the residency, lately the home of Count and Lady Fenring, and then the ambassador to the smugglers, the Baron yes. chuckled. What is that? What is that all about? I, they explain it right afterwards, but I didn't, I didn't like fully understand. It's okay. Fade turned in a puzzling stare at his uncle and said, why? So you're not, you're in the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> now, the the what what they create the the product on Arrakis is spice, right? Whoever controls the spice controls the universe. So, okay. what the smugglers do is they smuggle spice out, like in a black market type way, to the guild or to whoever. Right, spice is the currency as we pay for things, and. The Baron says, how else could spies and assassins move about? It's this underground underworld that is paid through through these smugglers. Okay. So it, it, it kind of... And that's all how the Emperor is also getting other backroom deals because his guy is also the king right. of the smugglers. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it, it benefits whoever is in charge of... Arrakis to like just let the black market stuff kind of happen. Right. There's okay. got to be a certain amount of that. Now, gotcha. if the Atreides were to come in and be taken out, whoever would have then that person would have whole complete control of the planet. There would no be there wouldn't be any emperor's people on the planet. Okay. So the emperor has his plants to keep things moving in his favor. But if they can all be taken care of at once, you can pretty much hold a ransom on the planet. Ah, okay. So here is also the first point that we find who our traitor is. They very much name him, so give away all the suspense there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's Dr. Yui is indeed our agent. Yui? That's how you pronounce it, Yui? You, Dr. Yui. How are you saying uh, it? I was reading like Yue. It had this I mean, exotic Asian vibe. Why you, why, you gotta, why you gotta make him Asian? Well, because his name's Yue, bro. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you're not wrong. He's Asian in the new movie. Uh, okay. <laughs> but Dr. Yue is a Sook school graduate with imperial conditioning. 
So supposedly he's supposed to be unbreakable and therefore no one is going to suspect that it's going to be him, but he is our traitor. They found a lever that moved the doctor. So they found his one weakness and they're going to exploit it in order for him to give up the, his people. All right, and Fade even goes, everyone knows you can't subvert imperial conditioning. And the Baron just moves on. But the whole thing yeah. is, how, how do they get um, through for Howitt, the Atreides Mentat, to not see their plan coming? Right. Because he's the only one that can really stop him at this point. He's the other supercomputer that's kind of like looking at all the angles, knowing there's going to be a trap in there again, you know, because it's their heated enemies. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a trap. So who are they putting in Super Howitt's path? They're putting the lady Jessica. Right. How's that? How's that work? I didn't, I didn't get that. There's, I guess they don't really explain it. They don't, it's, yeah, they don't really explain it. It's their, Super Howitt has a, grudge against B'nai Gesserit. Okay. So that every, he, the, he's always going to think that they're trying to play the upper hand somehow, which usually they are, right? They're, they're trying to position their way to get what they want. And so it would make sense that the B'nai Gesserit would be the one who would make that choice. Um, which is also kind of... It's sad, too, because the Thufer Howitt is the one who picked out Lady Jessica for the Duke. So there's, there's context in that, and they have a whole discussion later on in the book. Okay. So the Duke must believe he's winning, and then when our moment is right, we'll signal Yui, and they'll move in with our major force. This is where the Baron's all excited. Go right. ahead. Tell them all of it. <laughs> We'll move in in strengthened by two legions of Sardaukar, disguised in Harkonnen livery. Sardaukar? Fade Rotha breath, his mind focused on the dread imperial troops, the killers without mercy, the soldier fanatics of the Padishah Emperor. How? So the... The the emperor has his reasons why he wants to get rid of the Atreides, and we'll right. learn about that later. That's his plans within plans within plans. Oh, okay. But the so Piter has convinced the emperor that this is the right move in order to take out the Atreides. Let, but if anybody knows that the Harkonnens are using Sardaukar troops, most of the other houses will say, "Hey, that's not cool." So it's got to be kept a secret. Gotcha. So they're borrowing the Sardaukar army, basically, and sneaking them in there like it's their army. Yes. Oh, this is exhausting. (laughs) Chapter two. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What? Okay. You know, it's it's dangerously advantaged, to be sure, to use cautiously to bring House Harkonnen greater wealth than that of any other house in the Imperium. 
to begin, we'll have an irrevocable dictatorship of the Chome Company. Like this is their plans within plans and how they are going to get to the top. Okay. So, but the emperor, I'm assuming, knows that they're trying to pull a sneaky and trying to, you know, take control, but he's using them as well. Yeah. I'd like to think that the emperor can see this one coming. He does have the Bene Gesserit truth sayer right next to him. So they probably know as well that because he wants to keep his power as long as possible, obviously. Right. House Carino has always been the, the house of the emperor. Okay. Since the Butlerian Jihad. So this is, they're trying to keep it. Okay. And the reason why everyone wants to take out the Atreides is just power. Like they're just kind of a, a pawn. They're kind of in the way of X, Y, and Z gaining power. Yeah. Well, when we meet Duke Guido, you're, you'll understand exactly why everybody wants him dead. Okay, so there's more to it. It's not just to, like, gain power. Right. By him dying, everybody gains power. Okay. The Atreides, as we'll learn, is is slow, as went from a minor house to a major house, and they are slowly growing in power, not only militarily, but in admiration of the people. Gotcha. Okay, so they have political power. Yes. The difference between the Bene Gesserit and the guild is kind of like the, that political situation. Right. They're, they're gaining in political power by how they treat their people, by how they care for them. And, and it's, it's when you see the darkness of the Harkonnens, the Atreides are the light. Okay. So when you see the backstabbing of the Harkonnens, the Atreides are the ones that are going to fight for you to the death. Gotcha. So there and are not very good much a business if you're a if you're a sneaky dark person. Oh, for sure uh, not. Dark, no. Not a dark person. I mean, no, but like in the shadows. <laughs> in the, yes, like the Baron is. <laughs> if you are a person of evil, right? Yes, a person of evil. I knew. I That's knew you were going there. <laughs> uh, thank you for whoever's listening to this point. I don't know if anybody is, but I appreciate right. you. Please forgive me. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where we kind of see the end of this chapter, right? Is there, once they can kind of get everybody out of the way, they will then have Arrakis. We will be the ones who tamed Arrakis. Except for a few Mongol Fremen hiding in the skirts of the desert. And some tame smugglers bound to the planet almost as tightly as their native labor pool. And that's the Baron's thought right there, right? He's, he's yeah, thinking that. He's thinking that. Like, and he doesn't worry about the Fremen. The smugglers are a necessity that's needed to keep the Empire running. So he'll have everything he needs. Is that who the Fremen are? Again, listeners, I have no context for yes. any of this stuff. First, first time reader right here. Yeah. Um, the Fremen are the Arrakis natives. Okay, so just natives in general. They're not like specifically smugglers or anything like that. It's just people born people on Arrakis. People who live on the planet. Oh, live on. Okay, cool. Yeah, they, they, well, they born, live, they have certain markers that you know who a Fremen is by looking at them. Okay. 
Um, you actually see this in Piter. It's the first time that it's mentioned, I think. But people who are addicted to spice have blue within blue eyes. Right. So did that mean that's like the whole the whole eyeball? I, I believe so, yes. Okay, it's not blue. just like the iris is... Because he like, says there's no white in the eyes. Right. And that means you are addicted to spice. Um, and the spice is in everything in Arrakis. It's in right. your clothes, it's in your food, it's in the air you breathe. These people are very much addicted to the spice. Not because they take it, but because they like breathe it in every day. Right. There's, there's kind of no way around it. Right. Gotcha. So a Fremen will be somebody who has the blue within blue that will just, you kind of know it when you see it. Okay. There's some other main things that you can learn about them, but they're very, they're very uptight people group. And the Harkonnens kind of hunt them for sport, but they really don't know how many are on the planet. They don't care to check. Gotcha. Cool. Um, after that uh, quote, the whole chapter kind of takes a turn. Yeah. Because so far, everything's been kind of still, like, Piter walked around a little bit in the room. Right, he um, threatened Fade one time, but that right. was about it. Fade was just, like, sitting there confused and, like, silent the whole time. Messing with his shirt, like, yeah. Right, and the, and the Baron was behind the globe. When you see his hands only. Right. But, okay, where is it? Because it was, it creeped me out when I read it. Good. Um, the Baron moved out and away from the globe of Arrakis. As he emerged from the shadows, his figure took on dimension. Grossly and immensely fat. And with subtle bulges beneath folds of his dark robes to reveal that all this fat was sustained partly by Portable suspensers, suspensers, um, harnessed to his flesh. He might weigh 200 standard kilos in actuality, but his feet would carry no more than 50 of them. I am hungry, the Baron rumbled, <laughs> and he rubbed his protruding lips with his be ringed hand, stared down at Fade Rotha through fat and folded eyes. Send for food, my darling. We will eat before we retire. Oh, dude. Like, oh. honestly, okay, here's what got me. Who rubs their lips? Like, in. <laughs> it's just so disturbing. Like, when he comes out and, like, that's the reality of who he is. Because, like, I was honestly, like, he's obviously a bad guy. And. He's, he's corrupt and there's all this like just badness to him, but you were, I was almost starting to respect him for how smart and like how, how like connected he was and like how well thought out this whole plan was and all of his power. And then he steps out from behind the globe and you're just like, no, 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 I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't want any of that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Just the fact I'm that they hungry. have... Oh, this is, this is like first non-strategic line. It talks about food. He right. even mentions how like Arrakis looks caramelized. Like he is 
he's focused on there's like a gluttony there that yeah. is beyond all measure. Just greed and gluttony personified is the Baron uh, Harkonnen. Baron Harkonnen. Yikes. Whoa. And that's where they leave us. That's that yeah, that's our first sneak peek at the bad guys, the big bads, the literal big bads <laughs> of of this. There are multiple, I guess, big I don't know about baddies. Because everybody is trying to play for the Imperium. Right. But this is he's he's gonna be our main antagonist. I don't know if there's a protagonist in this book, but there is antagonist. Oh, okay. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anything else before we uh close out and get to chapter three? Um no. no. Not that I can think of. I mean, I might write something down and we can talk about it the beginning of episode three, but this chapter was also like f- fairly simple. There was only a couple points where I was just like, wait, what, what's happening? And like, I, I didn't have context for some of the stuff. So no, now yeah. I get it. There we go. And that's the point. And if you're listening right now, this may be the companion guide you've always wanted is two dudes and a podcast talking about a book they're reading. Yeah. And I got some extra facts for you. If you want to pipe into the conversation we're having online, you can go to Twitter at Reading Dune. We got a Twitter. I saw that. Yeah. Very exciting. We got we got lots of gifts going on there because how else do you communicate in the age of 2020? Right. <laughs> if you have any questions or want to email extra random facts, we'd love to know them. Yes, you, please. You can email us also at Oh, I gotta check before I get it. I just made them too. Oh uh, yeah. Reading Dune at gmail.com. We are real original here, folks. Oh yeah. So if you're reading Dune just like us, send us a send us a word. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. All right, Evan. I'll see you next time. All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.